So, bonus round. Let's talk about licensed IP. So, Daryl, you've had a chance to work on a number of different IPs to bring them to life, to kind of bring out that full theme, or at least try to, or at least try to evoke the theme of whatever movie or comic, whatever you know you're working on. So, tell me about that. Tell me about the process. How you how you did it. The games you've worked on. How you bring that to life. Yeah. So I, I've had the pleasure of doing, but as I mentioned earlier, Back to the Future at a time, a dice game. So that was really fun. Um, the, I have an upcoming uh, couple announced uh, licensed games, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Showdown. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. I was, grew up as a Turtles fan. So uh, the neat thing about it, it's kind of a weird evolution, but the game was actually signed um, already from IDW. Um, the theme, which is funny now to look back, but the the game was about four wizards, four good wizards against two bad wizards. Okay. Uh, and you were racing through a labyrinth um, that the wizards could manipulate while trying to get to the four towers and you know save the day. Um, and it was an asymmetrical team game in that like it could be one versus four or it could be you know like one versus two and you share two characters each or different things like that. Uh, but it was basically two teams, a smaller team and a bigger team, one being more overpowering and just playing around with that asymmetricalness was really fun. Um, and that you had to go through your whole team before your team could reset. So they signed that. And originally the idea was, Hey, take your time with it. Maybe we can even make like a whole world out of this game. Like, build a scenario book with a bunch of scenarios um, and really lean into that. So when they originally signed it, they said, you know, this will be kind of a two year timeline at least like don't rush on this one. We'll work on some of your other games first. And that was great. And then it was funny because I was originally brought on to IDW because I did. Um, I was the developer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Kevin Wilson's big like Shadows mm -hmm. of the Past game. And so I was brought on to develop the, the rule booklet, which is awesome because it's basically, for anyone who's not familiar with it, it's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure book. They give you like three or four comics in the game with three or four scenarios, but each time, however you end the game, changes the setup for the next, the next episode that you go into. So it's very episodic, very like kind of, you know, if, if the turtles lost, then the next scene maybe April's like... Um, being held hostage versus like if they won, then maybe like she's free and helping you fight the next scenario. She's your ally. So really thematic, fun ways to integrate mechanics while having this ongoing story. So I, I had already kind of shown my love for turtles there. And then they decided, Hey, that's weird. Your, your wizard game has four versus two. And we just got asked to make a, a turtles game. That's rock steady and bebop versus the turtles. Could you change that? <laughs> Which we were like, yes, very much so. Not thinking how much that would actually change. And right. it really changed almost the whole game. But originally it was like, oh, yeah, no problem. Four versus two. Same mm -hmm. same game. Yeah, yeah. But wizards do different things than turtles. So right. uh, <laughs> a lot of the mechanics we had integrated in, um, we had to remove. But the fun part was then exploring... Right. What would Turtles and what would Rocksteady and Bebop do change the game in really fun ways? So all of a sudden we're like, hey, you know, if you had a bazooka, then you could reach that person way on the other side as long as there was a line of sight. Mm -hmm. So, like, that becomes a new rule that, like, the character with a bazooka could shoot across the board or um, just different things like that. Or, oh, like, 
we have them instead of running around in a labyrinth, we have them running around the sewer pipes. Uh, but um, that causes restrictions on where you can can go. But then all of a sudden we're like, hey, but if you had a chainsaw, you could cut through that pipe. And, you know, so Rocksteady and Bebop, Bebop have these cool items that all of a sudden we start utilizing in the design and it reinforces and really creates really fun moments. I think I think IPs do great the the best when you think you think that way that you think okay now how would those characters run around in this world so having a core game was a really great place to design from because i wasn't designing the world and then designing how the characters go i already had a, a game and now it was like wait 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 but if if the characters changed how does that change the game yeah so as far as like research what do you what do you do to kind of research that IP, like when you were doing the uh, Back to the Future, did you go back and like watch all the movies a bunch of times and oh, take for notes? Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, like for my idea, I was I was literally like writing out scenes or looking at the comics. Or uh, another game that I have upcoming is uh, Orphan Black. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that that uh, TV series, but um, the neat part is me and my friend Bryce. Uh, Bryce actually works for the TV studio that makes Orphan Black, oh, cool. and so we both had always talked about let's, let's make a game together and it was funny because then we talked through it was interesting but i got to talk to him about all the the inside stuff of the show like what are some of the main messages and what are some of the you know marketing messages that they tried to do and hearing all that kind of stuff then spurred on our design because we started from that we started from you know what are the core messages of the show and then try to think of a game. So, for instance, we have an upcoming game that we both designed together called Clone Club. And we really thought, you know, one of the intricacies is that you have all these different clone characters uh, that have these weaving stories um, that everyone cares more or less about a couple of the clones. And so we literally made a game where you're, you're making uh, DNA strands. Uh, the spreading DNA strand all coming from the original, you know, character, but you actually only care about a couple of the of the clones. And so as you're adding to this grid, you're secretly trying to just really make the DNA strand for your character more. So I, th I think that's an example where, like, you just kind of immerse yourself in the brand and then games come out of it. Um, yeah, so that would be another example I think of. Yeah, now with these IPs, is this where... Are all of them the situation where the company approached you and said, hey, we have this IP, we want you to design a game? Uh, thankfully, thankfully, so far, IDW, the nice thing with IDW is uh, uh, they are, they're the, I think, the fourth biggest comic book company in the world, but they are the number one comic book uh, company in the world when it comes to licenses. Hmm. So thankfully, I kind of have an inside door when it comes to access to licenses through them. Um, because of that, then I even got the opportunity to do, for instance, I just did Space Invaders dice game. And it was hilarious because I wasn't privy to um, IDW was in negotiations for the Atari license. Uh, but I signed with this other company called Turn One Gaming Supplies, who uh, makes incredible, like I use their card sleeves and their play mats and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't know they made games. Long story short, I got connected to them and they said, hey, we played Back to the Future of the dice game and thought that was cool. Could you design us a dice game? And they, they just said, you know, the, the downfall is you have one month. <laughs> uh, which at the time, I didn't, I didn't have any work. So I was like, well, because uh, this was just before I started IDW, mm -hmm. 
I was like, yeah, you know, I need work. I can't say no to that. Um, one month sounds ridiculous, but I'll do what I can. And I spent a month and like that was like eat, breathe, live, die Space Invaders. I don't I think my wife never wanted to talk about Space Invaders <laughs> again after that month. But that's all I I mean, I'd watch videos on YouTube of yeah. people just playing Space Invaders. Like you name it, like just weird stuff. Like whatever toys were out there. I was just drawn at straws and immersing myself in that brand. And it's funny because it was a really intense experience and I would never recommend anyone ever take a deal like that. Yeah. But you have one month to go from idea to finish. And the publisher didn't know what he wanted yet mm -hmm. either. He just said, I got the rights. Come up with a game. And even but for a was, dice game, it wasn't even like this big two-hour experience. No, this was a dice game. A dice game. Yeah. But it was just like, do honor to this this license. Yeah. It's like, oh, I love, you know, I grew up on Space Invaders. I love right. Space Invaders. So we had to get everything figured out in, in the one month, including playtesting and, yeah. and getting all that feedback. Um, so that was intense. But uh, that would, so far, I've always been asked ahead of time. I, I am working on um, a really big license right now. And that's, I was trying to think if I could spoil, spoil this. But I think I'm I think I'm pretty safe to say this because right. uh, this will be airing sometime in the summer. And by that point, I will be playtesting it at conventions. Yeah. But I'm working on a, a game. I won't I won't reveal all the details, but I, I've been hired uh, to make uh, a big food fight game uh, with miniatures where they're having this giant food fight game and it's Nickelodeon cartoon characters. Oh, cool. And uh, I'm really excited because there's some of my favorite cartoons growing up and so one of the things that i'm doing all the time is like watching nickelodeon cartoons yeah. so as research I, right just as research that's research <laughs> that's just, that's my life i gotta right. i gotta watch them i gotta watch the watch all the cartoons so my wife is like kind of getting sick of them and uh i'm sure my whole summer and fall will be just consuming more and more of it but that's that's what you got to do when you are trying to honor and wink at all the little details that fans really care about. That means even like, you know, go to Reddit, go to uh, go to the fan sites and see what do people talk about most? What do they care about? Really uh, just kind of I don't I don't try to act like I know it all. Instead, I just go in and I listen, you know, like I just try to observe what are the things that people are passionate about? What what aspects are little you know, little aspects do people love the most about certain characters, all that kind of stuff. So I think that that does service to the people that that are passionate and care about the brands and you're you're respecting that their opinions that way. I think that's really important. Yeah, definitely. Now would you have any advice for somebody like let's say somebody had an idea for a game that worked with a licensed IP. What's your advice on that as far as like approaching people? Is it even worth traveling down that road? If you're really trying to get a game signed, now if you're just trying to design a game and have fun with it, go for it. But if you're really yeah. wanting to get a game signed, what's your advice? I used to always tell people, do not design with a license in mind because you're probably not going to get it. Yeah. Um, I actually have changed my advice on that. I think you should design with that license. Just be prepared to change it. Mm -hmm. So design where it's fun and it's great. But then if someone says, no, like you can't get that license, now you're going to have to do the hard work of differentiating yourself because you, you do not want to get in trouble right. with someone suing you or charging you for uh, copyright infringement yeah. That's uh, or trademark or uh, any of that fun stuff. But um, 
I, w- I would say also approach publishers that you think um, may have a chance at that license. There's a handful of publishers out there that have great access yeah. on licenses. And so uh, obviously the big companies like Mattel and Hasbro are going to have the, the major chance at them. Uh, but even, you know, I think of IDW, I know, um, upper, upper for deck. instance, Upper Deck, yep. uh, WizKids, Cryptozoic. Gale Force 9, I think. Gale Force 9. Yep. There's there's a handful that when you go to shows, if you're seeing a licensed game, go up to them and say, like, hey, would this ever be a possibility? I know for myself, I have lots of designers that will just send me a quick email and say, hey, was curious if, if this is a license that that's a potential. Yeah. yeah, so let me tell you one more story or an example. Uh, I'm currently working on um, uh, a game as I mentioned with uh, with the, the Nickelodeon characters. But I just recently actually discovered, um, and we just signed the paperwork actually just pretty recently, uh, of a, a newer designer um, getting to work on a license. And it was funny because it all came together. And I, I can't say the license yet because I can't remember when we're announcing it. But um, So maybe it's already out there. But this designer um, used to work in... Uh, on on the the series that this license is based on, and the funniest part was I just was asking around different designers I knew. Hey, do you know this license at all? And then I asked one person, and they were like, "Yeah, I used to be like the video editor." Yeah. And I was like, um, "Ever thought about making a game in that world?" And they were like, "Yeah, that would be like a dream come true." I was like, "All right, well, let's work out the paperwork." Like it was just very you know, easy that way. Yeah. Sometimes it comes together, sometimes it doesn't. So I think it's really important that if you're passionate or you're a real big fan of a certain license, like maybe just make that game and or make part of it and then pursue publishers and say, hey, would there be any chance? Because um, if you can, then you get to live out one of your dreams. I mean, I can honestly say like to this day, like, I never thought I'd get to dabble in things like Back to the Future World and yeah. and 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 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but like that doesn't get old. Like I'm I'm still pumped that like forever I can kind of like I I got to put like my pinky toe in that pool, uh, that world, and uh, and it's pretty fun. So so I think uh, I think that's really important, and and just make sure you make a really good game. So yeah, uh, if if you're gonna make a game with a license, you know, make sure you have a cool game. Not just you know some pasted on copycat stuff. So, um, really spend the time and do just as much work because it's an uphill battle. Sadly, right now we have a lot of uh, bad stereotypes when it comes to licensed games, and we need to kind of fight back and and really teach people. You know, licensed games can be really great games too. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, Daryl, man, good luck with all the licensed stuff, the non-licensed stuff, all the cool stuff you got coming out this year. The long list of things that you're working on. And again, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. If anyone uh, sees me at a show, please flag me down, say hi. If you're willing to play test some stuff, I'm sure I got some games to play. So, uh, it was really a great pleasure to be on the show. And uh, any designers out there that want to chat, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook or Meeple Syrup Show. We love we love interacting with uh, designers. Awesome.